Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. It's Yala Rocks episode 15 and today it's about bringing your in-person classes back into your personal practice. feel like you have to run your personal practice like a dance class? I've had people express this concern to me in the past, but not so much in those words. Mostly people will talk about how they have to have a whole hour to practice or setting up their practice with their content like a class would be. And you know, it's just sometimes not sustainable to handle it that way. So today I ask my guest Aziza how she structures her practice time and some tips and tricks to make your practice your own and break away from the idea of treating your practice time like another class that you're guilting yourself into taking. We talk about rewarding yourself both in what you're practicing and for practicing and about what she would include in every practice. Aziza is so sweet and I'm more than excited that this year she'll be including one live class with her as part of the 2019 belly dance bundle. So if she sounds like someone who might click with your style, be sure to check out this year's bundle, which is on sale in less than a week. The sale begins October 16th and it's available for one week only. No exceptions. Something cool is happening tonight, but it's not bundle related, though several of our contributors are involved. If you've fallen in love with our contributor, Sahira, enjoyed Dawn Divine's podcast, or you enjoyed the 21 Days of Belly Dance challenge that was inspired by that podcast, then you're going to want to check out a special event that is happening tonight over at the Belly Dance Business Academy. And the Academy is run by two of our other contributors, Terry and Sarah, whose podcasts are coming a little bit later in the, in the lineup here. They are putting on a free panel tonight at 7 p.m. Central, and that panel is about finger symbols. Finger symbols, lost art or living legacy is sure to be an amazing roundtable. And if you can't make it tonight, they will have recordings. So check out the show notes page for this episode at thebellydancebundle.com slash 15 for links. I'll get you there so you can get all of this wonderful information. Now back to our regularly scheduled chat. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today we have the creator of Dream Camp, the internationally known Aziza. Aziza, thanks so much for taking the time today to chat. Thank you so much for having me. It's super exciting to have you. And before we kind of jump into what you're putting in the bundle and, and our topics for today, I would really like to know how you got into belly dance in the first place. Oh, okay. I uh, started dance in at the age of three. I started at 
doing ballet and I did classical ballet for almost 15 years until I was a senior in high school. And then I knew that I was not going to be a professional ballerina. I didn't have the right body type and it was time to go to school. So I gave up dance thinking that this was going to be, I had to be serious now and I had to go to school. And I was miserable, I was very unhappy. And I ended up um, spring break of my freshman year in college, I went to Hawaii and ended up staying. And I didn't come home. Best, best spring break ever. I ran away, yes, and didn't come home. And as I was living in Hawaii, I was 18 years old, and I, uh, while I was there, I started taking some Tahitian and hula classes. Yes, and I realized that even though my dream was to be a ballerina when I was growing up, um, I, had, I hadn't realized that there was a whole wide world out there. I thought ballet was it and all, and now there's this whole other world of dance that I had never tried. So um, after taking some Tahitian and hula, I moved back to Oregon and I started seeking out other dance forms that I had never taken before. So I got into a little African, I tried some, um, some modern, some modern jazz, I tried you know, contemporary, I tried all these different dance forms that I hadn't tried before. And then went and took my first dance class in Vancouver, Washington with Ruby Souter. She was my very first teacher. And that was, you know, at first I really didn't take it seriously. I had images of what belly dance was, but it was just from a James Bond movie or, you know, images that I saw on TV. And I had, I had no idea about the culture or about the music or about anything. And I just, that from that first class, I fell in love. And yes, so that's how I got started. That's awesome. Do you still, do you still do any Tahitian or hula any, or any of these other forms that you tried while you were experimenting in the dance world? No, I'm afraid I got completely obsessed with um, taking belly dance or, and all those dance forms. Yes, I got obsessed and everything else went to the wayside. I think that happens. Yes, I found it. I found, you know, first the music was the first thing that drew me and I just felt I was able to express myself. There was technique involved, but that I, I really could express myself in the dance and that's what really drew me to it. And the costumes. Of course. <laughs> Who can resist the sparkles? Um, so when you came into belly dance, you had this, this 15 years of ballet behind you. I always love to know this um, for people who did ballet as kids. Do you find that that, that instruction really helped you in belly dance or did it make it a little bit harder to kind of relax out of out of that like more rigid posture that ballerinas tend to have oh i i have to say that it it did both <laughs> both like i think that my i have a foundation i had a knowledge of my body so that i was able to by sight follow that's true yes and i feel that um, ballet helped with my posture and with turns and with um, my upper body with carriage. But I also had a very, a really high elevated lifted and it was harder for me to get more grounded. It took a lot longer. I, I think it's so funny when you, when you train for so long in, in any dance form and then you move into another one that has a completely different carriage to it, how hard it can be to break those habits because um, I remember personally, I took uh, a lot of Samba classes several years ago, and 
my teacher kept telling all of the belly dancers who were in class to let go of their hips. And all of us were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're belly dancers. Of course, our hips are really loose. But comparative to Samba, like they're not at all. And it's, it's just so interesting to me, that difference in, in technique and carriage between styles of dance. Yeah, you know, it's also, I, I also cross-train now, now that I'm, you know, I've been dancing. Do you know that it's coming up in November? Is this right? In November, it'll be 30 years since I took my first class. That's amazing. That, that's amazing. You, I can't believe it. It went by so fast. <laughs> right? So, yeah, now I am, uh, I do cross-train in other dance forms. I think it's really important to feel, um, I like to take classes just to remind myself what it feels like not to know what you're doing and, right. and to remind yourself that repetition is really good because <laughs> I like to not only feel like I get it once, but like leave actually getting something out of a class. And so I like to remind myself by taking other dance forms. And I started taking um, a modern jazz class with this really great teacher here in, in Montreal, his name's Don Jordan. And I took from him, from, because of my touring schedule, it was really erratic. You know, I would just pop in every once in a while. And he had, I remember he was watching me, he was watching me and he finally came up to me after class. He was like, what is your story? Because <laughs> he could tell that I was a dancer and I was trained, but he kept, you know, trying to correct my, how I was holding my, uh, my legs and my turnout and, you know, all of these things that with Oriental dance, I've kind of had let go, right? Yeah. Yes. So it was interesting. And now he uh, occasionally comes and teaches at Dream Camp. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I love that you incorporate the cross training there in Dream Camp as well. It really is important. Yeah. I, got, I get a lot out of his classes. And, and I think he's, for the people that are returning to Dream Camp a lot, they, they really like when Don Jordan comes and teaches. Yeah. Awesome. So since we're talking about Dream Camp, uh, that's what people probably know the most about your like offerings, your workshop offerings, other than the ones that you go on tour for. But you also teach live classes out of your at-home studio. Yes. Everyone, this year in the bundle, Aziza is putting in a coupon for one of her live classes. So you can attend any class that she has between, I think it's going to be like November and January. The dates will be in the bundle. But you get to actually take a live dance class as part of the bundle. And that's, we've never had that before. It's actually a first for the really? bundle in our three years. Uh, and I just, I think that's really great. So what made you decide to kind of go this route and create these online live classes? Well, it's been, I think this, this year is 16, 17 years that I have been touring um, consistently, like year round. And doing the online classes it came about there were there's two reasons it's also one of the reasons why we started the dream camp speaking of dream camp is um my husband really missed me and he wanted to create <laughs> something that kept me home and and i got to see the beautiful montreal summer so it's something that we did together we started the dream camp but then um after all of these years of touring and my husband being very patient <laughs> and also very supportive um there were two things. One thing is I would like to figure out a way that I can reach my students that I teach in, in workshops because I hadn't been able to really cultivate uh, an ongoing class. And being able to see people consistency, consistently and see them grow and to see them, this is 
part of the thing, part of why I wanted to do the online classes. I just, uh, I saw a lot of people giving online classes or online down, like streaming videos. I know that this is the direction. I know that this is a way that I can connect with dancers from outside of where I'm at, you know, like from home. Um, but I also really wanted to have that connection. I wanted to be able to um, respond and react and, and, and see people grow. And so that's why I decided to start with just doing live online classes. I like that a lot because it, when you travel for these workshops and you, you meet these students all over the country, all over the world, and then when you leave, like that's, that's it a lot of times. And so some people fill that gap with the streaming classes or downloadables, but the idea of being able to like take a workshop with you somewhere and being like, oh man, I like, I really am just on the same wavelength. Aziza is the person I want to take classes with and then being able to go home and do that on a regular basis. Like that's amazing for people to have that opportunity. I really enjoy it. And I have to say that I'm super proud of myself on figuring out exactly how I wanted to do it. Right. And cause it was, it's a daunting thing to figure out everything. So I'm kind of proud of myself for doing that. You, you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> sure. So I want to take this and apply it to personal practice because that's with this podcast, what we really try to focus on is, is helping people grow that personal practice aspect of their dance because so many of us just go to class or they just take a live class, right? And then they don't practice outside of class. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole myriad of reasons why people don't, but I think that one of them is kind of this idea that we have to practice for the same amount of time that we would take a class. So if you're going to go take a class in person or if you're going to take a live class with you, it's usually about an hour long. It's got an extensive warm-up, an extensive cool-down, and then you have to fill all the space in the middle. And so you're looking at an hour plus any day that you want to practice, which is hard for people to do if it's not like a time commitment they have to show up for. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to how you have kind of structured your practice time over the years, especially in instances where you have a shorter amount of time available to you? Yes. Uh, I firmly believe that if your practice is focused and deliberate, that it doesn't have to be many hours or even an hour. Like it's more about being consistent and being focused and being deliberate on what you want to really change. Yes. Because a lot of times like, I should practice, first of all, should means you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. So it had, changing your language, first of all, is, is, is the first step, I think. Yes. Instead of saying I should be practicing, saying I, I will practice, I am practicing on you know, these times. So the way that I do it for my own personal practice is I take a look at my week at the beginning of the week. I just take a look and I make an estimate of what I think is really how many accumulated amount of time I will have in one week in order to put towards my personal practice right and it can be like because this is my job like it, it can be eight hours it can be four hours or it can be six hours and that sounds like a lot but I don't do them all in one at one time what I do is in between my my online classes or my private classes when I'm in Montreal if I just have a half an hour, I might drill for 15 minutes. 
And then I fill in and I apply that towards my ultimate goal for the week. That's how I do it. Now, what am I going to practice for 15 minutes? Okay, now I'm supposed to practice. And the first thing that happens is you put music on and you end up bopping around and just doing what you <laughs> Yes. That's actually a question coming up. <laughs> no, I really want it to be deliberate and I want it to be focused. So it's not always fun to practice the things that are challenging to you. So what I do is a reward system. <laughs> I will set a timer and I have to work on whatever it is that I want to work on. And I have to do it for that amount of time, even if I hate it. <laughs> Another thing that tool that I use is using videotaping my practices. So I have, um, I have my, I have a little iPad that's set up. And if I'm working on a specific move, like a particular drill, then I will put on a piece of music that is maybe two minutes long and I drill it and film it and I stop and look. And if it doesn't look the way I want it to, then I have to go back and do it again um, and make it feel different so that when I look at it, it looks different. Because I find just looking at yourself in the mirror, it, it doesn't really do it. I have to look at different eyes on the video and I find that it's a, a really useful tool. And it's hard to do at first. Yes. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> but I will tell you that it gets easier and that it is a good and honest tool to really make change, I have found. And that's one of the things I love about the 21 days of belly dance is because it, that's the whole point is recording yourself doing the thing and then putting it back up. So it almost forces you to start doing this, but we're tricking you. <laughs> <laughs> we're like tricking you into doing it instead of you know you making it part of your practice but hopefully moving forward, you'll see the value in it and keep doing it. I, I do agree that looking at yourself in the mirror, it, it almost feels, it feels like it should be the same. It feels like if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're doing the move and you look at yourself on a video doing the move, that you should have the same feelings about both things, but that's actually never the case. Well, I, I find that when I use this process that I dance a lot harder. I push myself harder and I realize that in order for the move to look the way I want it to, that it does take more effort than I think. <laughs> that, I guess that's true because you, when you're seeing it from that third party perspective, then you can, you can gauge the effort. Like right. I know, I know how hard I was working and this is what it looked like. And so if happens. I want it to look more, I have to put in more on the effort side to, to make that happen. Another thing that you mentioned that I really like is uh, the idea of cumulative number of hours instead of just, oh, I can only practice for 15 minutes today. Because if you start adding it all together, it's, it's that thing, what does everybody say? You overestimate what you can do in a day and underestimate what you can do in a year, right? Yes. It's, I feel like that's the concept here applied is 15 minutes every day is several hours of practice a week, but it yeah. doesn't feel like that when you're looking at 15 minutes a day. Exactly. And so I have a little board that I keep, I keep track of and I keep it where I visual it, where I can see it and it makes me want to fill it in. Yes. So even if it's only 10 minutes or five minutes, I, if I stretch, that is something I am doing for my body, for my dance and I can fill it in. So if I find myself on the couch watching really bad TV, I could be stretching watching bad TV on the couch and fill in my little, yes. Right. Or practicing like your shimmy drill on the floor or any sure. number of, of little things that, you know, kind of can be done in those weird off moments in your life. Yes. And then if I meet my goals, then I get a reward. So See, rewards 
are powerful motivators. <laughs> My reward is going to the spa. There you go. So on your board, you were talking about how you have a list of things that, that you're supposed to practice. Um, where do you think for students and for dancers who are looking to, to do something like this in their personal practice, where do the things that you learn in class or you learn in workshops circle back to play into your personal practice? Like how, how do you decide what goes on that supposed to column and how do you kind of help your students figure out where to move forward in their practice? Well, actually, that's one of the things that I really like about doing the online classes because I will present um, a move or a combination and then I'm able to come back and, and check in and say, all right, what part, you know, what part were you, have, were you struggling with? Which part was challenging? Um, are we ready to do it on the other side? And then if you take that, whatever it is that's challenging you and you make that part of your deliberate focus practice, something's going to happen if you give time and energy into it. So yes, that's one of the things that I really like is that I can check in with the students and then I can go over what you can drill to make it easier. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yes. I also offer this with my um, video coaching feedback. It's a, it's a little added value if you're interested. Like I will watch um, a a uh, choreography or uh, a project that somebody's working on and then I can give them feedback we watch it together and then I can offer them um, a video of a drill that I recommend to them afterwards yes. so yeah. it's really great to kind of assess your own what you're having trouble with in class or in workshops and make a note of it so that you can do that deliberate practice yes. but then also taking your taking what you're doing back to your teachers and be like help me decide what to do next. I'm having an issue with doing this move. Can you uh, recommend a drill that will help me make it easier? Taking from a class that you're, you're taking. For me, I, I had a hard time because I was pushed into performance so early and it was really about performing, performing, performing that I really wasn't paying close enough attention to being balanced and doing, and doing both sides. Do you understand? I had a favorite side that looked really good and then a weak yeah. side that I never used in performance. And when I was performing all the time, it caused problems in my body because I wasn't balanced. As a teacher, I make sure I do both sides. But I really think it's important, um, especially for dancers that perform a lot, to train by being balanced and to work um, your weaker side. Everybody has one. Yes, deliberately and focused. <laughs> So one thing that I found through talking to people over the years through the bundle is that personal practices, and you mentioned this, seem to go one of two ways. Either people focus on what they're really good at and they just put on music and they're doing the things that they're good at and it's just fun and all, all your practice time's gone. Or people kind of put themselves through the ringer and they only do the thing that's like the worst that they like that's really been bugging them, that's their challenge area. And they, it's almost a little bit like torture to yes. ourselves to just do this, this thing the whole time. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's kind of an ideal ratio between these two things in a practice? Well, that's like the same thing with um, getting through all of the practice I plan for myself. I also reward myself with practice in what I call discovery. <laughs> and that's when I put music on and I just dance. That's my discovery time. And uh, that also counts towards my practice. 
because I think that's also important just to dance and to be in touch with how much you love to dance. So it is, uh, I, I feel it's important to do both. And if there is a specific ratio, I don't have a specific ratio. I just reward myself for working hard by putting on music that I love and allowing myself just to dance freely. And sometimes I record this and sometimes not. That's, that's a great way to look at it because you're, and you mentioned this earlier, like putting on a timer for like the one thing that you really want to work on, but you, maybe you don't like it so much, like the actual doing of the thing. But then the second half of that is the reward. Like, oh, I did, I did these hip drops that I really wanted to like get my technique really strong on Uh for five minutes, 10 minutes. Now I'm going to put on a song that I really love and just have fun or do something that I'm really good at to balance it out, but also as a reward. I like that. So when you are designing the lesson plans for your classes, what types of things do you kind of take into consideration when you're doing that? And how can that help people plan their personal practices? Well, I feel that there are some really core basic things that have helped me a lot in my own personal dance that I include in all of my online classes. So that includes, um, I feel that feet and turns, feet and turns are really important. So in all of my classes, I do a series of tondus just to get absolute feeling to your feet, acknowledging what it feels like to point your toes and to turn out and to engage your legs for turns. So I include that in all my classes. I also include in almost all my classes, and especially on Saturdays, I include uh, conditioning, uh, compound moves, things for the core, for the legs, for the arms, and cardio. And people can bring those into their personal practice? Sure. I think a little bit of that. Oh, I wish I could. I wish we had a visual. I have um, a really great warm-up that I've been doing that gets you warm from head to toe. Uh, And it's really great to use backstage because it doesn't take up a lot of space. It looks ridiculous, but boy, is it powerful. (laughs) I think I, I sense... Uh, I sent some social media posts coming from you sharing this somewhat ridiculous but amazing warm-up for people. I don't know. It's not in the Instagram challenge, but now you, now you, now I'm wondering if I should do this. <laughs> uh, yes, the Instagram challenge I use, I have, I've decided to offer what I use for Tabla Tabata, which is a, a combination of cardio and strengthening exercises. It's very quick. It's only five minutes and it, it's really effective. And it has a great name. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So everyone, if you are interested in studying more with Aziza, you can check out her live class that will be part of the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle, which is on sale from October 16th to the 23rd. Other than that, Aziza, how is the best way for people to connect with you on the internet? Well, you can go to my website and that is azizashimi.com. And then I have my Facebook page, which is Mandy Aziza Williams. And I'm on Instagram and at Aziza Shady. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Aziza. Uh, Tiffany, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this too. I'm definitely going to be asking Aziza to come back and do a deep dive on her practice board. She showed me this board, everybody, and it's it's amazing. She uses it to track both what she's practicing and how long she's practiced that week. And it is awesome. So while it was a little bit outside the scope of today's talk, this is going to require a revisit. So 
Aziza's cumulative approach to practice is something that I really enjoy sharing with you all because it can make such a difference. If you saw the quiz on when to practice that we released this year as part of the bundle promotion, you may have gotten in the answer that you're going to have to get a bit creative and fit it in when you can. And looking at the results, that's actually been the most common answer to the quiz so far. Our lives are so full of amazing things, families, work, hobbies, creativities, and joy that sometimes we don't have a regular time that we can practice. And that is totally okay. Looking at it from a cumulative way makes it so much more doable. And it really gets you in the mindset that you're not practicing 15 minutes a day. You're practicing almost two hours a week. That's a lot of practice. That might even be more time than you spend in the studio each week if you only take one class at a time. Like, think about that for a second. Imagine that you take one class a week and practice for 15 minutes a day. You're doing almost twice the amount of work at home than you're doing in class over the course of a week. How could that not improve your dance? If you have got a goal in mind and are using that time to work towards that goal, this is going to be an invaluable tool for you. If you'd like to learn more from Aziza, you can check out all of her links at thebellydancebundle.com 15. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so on your podcasting app of choice. If you have comments about today's episode or want to chat with Aziza or myself about today's topics, feel free to comment on the Instagram post over at The Belly Dance Bundle. We're both tagged there, so we're happy to have a conversation about anything that you'd like to know. And remember, whatever you can dedicate to your dance this week, that's enough. You are enough. Because I know you're dancing because it brings you joy. Otherwise, what's the point? Thank you.